Mac football pod. Caleb's here. Justin is trying to put his crying baby to sleep um, and left me with the other crying baby in the family. Caleb, long time no see, buddy. How have you been? Uh, crying and burping, um, things of that nature. But okay. Baby a lot stuff. of, uh, yeah, yeah, right. A lot of uh, school, a lot of football. And um, I've been without a, I think I mentioned this in the podcast before, but it's been a bit, so I don't even know anymore. Um, I've been without a car since like August 20th. So it's been, a, it's been exhausting, <laughs> exhausting two months. Yeah. Like the, th- the fact that you're here is, uh, I'm thankful for that. Thankful for it. Like you, you've been missed the past, uh, too many episodes, too many episodes, I'll say. Yeah. He yelled at me. I do not yell at you. I yell at other people. <laughs> Justin uh, will be on at some point, maybe, perhaps, keeping our fingers crossed. Um, but, Caleb, since it's been a minute, I'm sure you have at least one, maybe two thoughts about this max season that's been bottled up inside of you uh, over the past, I don't know how many days. Caleb, what's been on your mind lately uh, with the Mac and how things have gone? Uh, the short and skinny of what I've been thinking about the Mac uh, falls along a few lines. One of them being when I've talked about the Mac at large with people I know in my life, other than the, you know, the, the utter devotion and passion I speak about how much I love this weird ass conference. Uh, the second thing that comes up is holy hell, this conference is bad again. Oh my God. Um, this is, this is exactly what people want to tune in for. Like, Oh man, there's a Mac football podcast out there. I bet they're just so so excited to to talk about it and stuff. Nope, nope, we're we're uh nope, we're pretty we're pretty angry at these kids. Uh, do better, guys. Do better. You know that's not true. We're we're always excited to talk Mac footy sprouts, but uh, you always demand more out of kids. That's because you're a football coach, though. So. I'm a ball coach, Carter. You don't know what to worry. Yo. What and. Like, um, I'm going to interrupt you. What 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 kind of like uh, you don't have to talk about your school if you don't want to, but. Like what kind of like offenses are you guys running these days? Is it like exactly what we're watching on TV, or uh, I don't know what what, what are you guys running out there? I mean, it really depends, right? Like the var- the varsity at the school I work at um, runs some RPO stuff. We're a lot of we're actually a lot of empty this year, and a lot of uh, twins ten personnel, one back in the backfield and two receivers on each side. Um, not really any tight end stuff at the varsity. Uh, at the lower levels, we'll run some tight end stuff, some under center. Uh, uh, multi-back stuff so so some 21 personnel type of stuff and my freshman level i really like uh two backs in the backfield and three receivers having like a sniffer or an h back lined up behind the garden tackle type of thing um that stuff a lot of a lot of zone blocking taking what the defense gives you you know coach talk coach talk uh, our freshman throws the ball. Our freshman team throws the ball more than our sophomore team does. I think we have like some uh, some tools that some of the other levels don't have to the same degree. Where our wide receivers are so much so much better than like a lot of the DBs they go up against. So like we can actually throw the ball around a little bit, which is fun. I can get way more creative with the playbook than I thought I'd be able to with with a bunch of freshmen this year. So that's been a really fun part of it. Um, at points, sometimes I think I think I'm being more creative than uh, some of the Mac offenses are this year. Boy, oh boy! Had to get another, coming coming another from uh, yeah. 
I just had to like derail you for a little bit because I didn't want you to like immediately go for Curtis Rourke's throw, immediately go for his three interceptions thrown in the final quarter of the game to lose in DeKalb, or to go for Akron in Central Michigan. Why, oh, why did you guys have to throw four interceptions in that game? Or Toledo Bowl, or Toledo Ball State. You know, Ball State, you, you should have gone to overtime in that one. Oh, that's a failed opportunity in the final stretch there. I don't know, man. I uh, I do feel bad for the people who uh, do do want to come on here and they're like, oh, let's celebrate the Mac. Let's celebrate the Mac. Let's listen to some guys just cutting it up saying that this league is underrated. This league is underrated and underappreciated. And to some degree it is, but to a lot of degrees it's uh, perfectly rated. Some of you. Some of you are perfectly rated. Like Buffalo, wherever you're at in the standings of everything in college football, good Lord, you don't deserve anything good. Nope. I mean, do you want to start there? Because that's another ugly ass game. Oh God, let's let's just read all the ugly scores. I, I forgot a couple of them. Uh, I was at one, and you know what? We should preface this just in case that you don't remember the weather of Saturday, or just in case you're time traveling through your podcast archives and you're like, "Hey, what happened this week in Mac Football Pod?" Uh, it was super super wet out there, man. Like so many of these games were just killed with the rain, just absolutely ruined by it. Like Eastern and Kent State was uh, twenty to fourteen finish there with the Eastern win. Toledo Ball State was definitely one of those. Toledo won thirteen six. Um, I think Central Akron was dry. I think Ohio NIU was dry, and I think Miami Western Michigan was also dry. That was actually a really good game. That was actually a fun game. Thirty four twenty one Miami winning. Caleb, which one of these uh, really? Do- you know what? You did kind of start it off with Bowling Green. Buffalo. God, you, God, you know what? We have Toledo, Miami to look forward to this week. And you say, you know what? Yeah, let's start things off with Bowling Green, Buffalo. Let's recap that. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. Do I run the same page? Uh, God, <laughs> offense. What is offense? It's it's bad, and I don't think my eyes feel good um, after seeing the box score. Uh, one thing you can largely count on for Buffalo in recent years is at least they've been able to run the ball, right? And like even when uh, maybe they don't have not this like, year, not this year, not this year. But well, that's what I'm getting at, man. Like, man, Ron Cook and Mike Washington are still on this team, and they still don't really know how to. Like, they they were okay against uh, Bowling Green, but Cook and Washington, neither of them were over four yards of carry, and uh, neither of uh, Buffalo's two quarterbacks who played Snyder Ogbona, neither of them were fifty percent passing. I get it, rainy, gross, whatever. Bowling Green, you never know what team you're going to get any given week, and it's exhausting. Uh, Tyrion Stewart, Tyrion Stewart had a decent game. Uh, usually, BG gets something out of a wide receiver. They didn't really this time, and there were, I, I know there was a special teams score. Was it a blocked punt? What am I thinking of? Or an interception? Something was taken back. It was a blocked punt. Yeah, it was a blocked punt for Bowling Green. So BG went up 24-7 at one point, and BG doesn't even have the guys that they should be up 24-7 on Buffalo. So No, that just, just, that, tells, that just tells you everything that you need to know about Buffalo and, like, how the season's really gone. Like It's going shit. Absolute shit for yeah, Buffalo. Execution is just not there. Uh, Cole Snyder, you know, was pulled pretty early. Came back super late, but... Just nothing going there. Four interceptions by Buffalo. Six interceptions for the game. Good Lord. Yeah. What an ugly-ass game. Um, 
I really don't feel like dwelling on this very much. The only other thing I'll say is uh, it's nice to see Buff or BG still, you know, the one thing that's been going under Loeffler is they tend to have a few really high caliber defensive players. Um, Anders is still playing really good ball. They've still got good football players on the field making plays defensively. And there's always like, there's usually somebody to be excited about in BG's defense. Um, I don't really have much else to say about this game. Yeah, I really don't have anything to say about it. I don't really have much to say about Akron Central. Um, just not not good football there either. Just too many interceptions thrown. Can't really learn a lot. Um, another bad game just to like clean and sweep this up. But had one of the best starts I've ever seen. Unbiased opinion here. One of the best starts I've ever seen to a football game. Which was Kendrick Nowling's onside kick return for a touchdown on the opening play of the game within five seconds, seven, nothing. That was amazing. That was amazing. Must have been uh, fun to be there in front of all 18 fans. And then nothing. And then nothing because the next five drives for the offense, first five drives of the game, punt, 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 punt. That sucked. It was just not good. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like an AFC North football game. Sorry, I had to cough. No, no, nothing. No, no. Yeah. No, sorry, I had to cough. Uh EMU had to EMU didn't even get a first down until like the five minute mark of the second quarter. Uh still ended up winning twenty eight to fourteen in the crap weather. Uh yeah, just not not an inspiring performance for anybody. I'm just gonna hurry up with uh bad game central over here. <laughs> Toledo Ball State. Toledo Ball State, thirteen to six. Final what there. The what the hell? That was what the hell. Hey, okay. So offensively, inexcusable. Really inexcusable, especially for the Rockets. Ball, Ball State. I totally get it. Um, outclassed in a lot of regards. The team is just not where it wants to be. You know, wanted to be. You know, a two tight end most of the time kind of team. But since Brady Hunt was hurt in the preseason. We're really only rocking with one tight end. That's really made a whole domino effect for how the offense was supposed to run. And they're still kind of working through it. Kyle Kelly got his first start. Uh, Didn't really do much. Four of 16 passing. That really stunk. But he threw the game winner. He threw the game winner in like the final minute. Rico Barfield, it hit him right on the money as he like outran the entire Toledo defense on a wheel route. Hit him right on the money. Dropped it. Ah, I did see that in your quarterback rank in your quarterback power rankings. Indeed. Thank you. Everybody else should read that right now. Right. Yeah, really discouraging. Uh, Penny Boone, of course, had a really big day. Uh, 148 rushing yards on 22 carries, one score, long of 39. Look, man, Toledo's got the pieces. They still do. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about them too much. I think. They're not scoring enough for me to be happy behind the mic, but that's okay. It's okay. They're still matters. winning. That is who matters. They got to impress Alex. I am, the, I, I am the committee of my own opinions for whatever it's worth. It's true. Your, your opinion is very valued in that household. So, I mean, I don't think there's any reason to be like, super, there's no reason to be like panicky about Toledo. They're six and one. I don't think anybody is panicking. I just think it's, if it didn't come across from my end, they played a really crappy game and really crap and like another week of crappy weather. 
But they were coming off a stretch of scoring where they had 41 against UMass, 35 against NIU, 49 against Western. Uh, they had that close San Jose State win. They put they hung 71 on Texas Southern. They played a close game, had a chance to win against Illinois. Like they're not, there's been no point of the season where they're playing very bad football. Uh, just Ball State's been a bad team this year, and it was kind of like, what's happening? So it's like, okay, you know what, Toledo, you get, you got, you got your one. If you come out and play like this against uh, somebody next week, I think you're gonna have a problem. And this is, um, is this who was Toledo this week? This Toledo Miami this week? Yeah, I already, I, I told you in the beginning of the show. I'm very tired. Okay, that's fair. My thing with DeQuan Finn and Toledo's passing game in general is just. I don't think that they're killing it enough through the air. I get that he's an incredible athlete on the ground, and he is a true dual-threat athlete. He really is. But he's not doing enough through the air. You know, against UMass, and it's it's hard to say that when, like, he has uh, a school record, 172 rushing yards against UMass, but he only had 139 passing yards, uh, 65 completion rate against UMass's defense that was without you know, three of its starting defensive backs. And then against Ball State, he was, you know, pretty close to that. Actually, a little bit worse. 15 of 27, 166 yards passing. No scores. No turnovers, which is great, but no scores through the air. And then on the ground, he was just 6 of 25 rushing. So it's not like he was, you know, spending the time, spending, you know, just running around out there, like making a whole bunch of plays happen. I don't know. Like, Toledo's definitely one of those teams where like hey if you have the luxury of running around and just like doing whatever you want with the joystick by all means please do it but if you're put in a position where you have to pass Toledo's a team that should be well equipped to always dominate through the air at any given moment I don't know if Toledo if Toledo had this many problems against Ball State secondary which played its ass off. I don't know how I feel about Toledo when it's going to be put in these pressure situations in the second half of the season. So that's just something that worries me about them. Question about Toledo. Penny Boone, how do you feel about him compared to other best offensive players in the MAC? Where does he stack up? Is he up? Is he like upper echelon? Is he like your top five, top three? He's not, he's not top three. He's like, so I'm working on uh, a post for Ipsy 11 for next week. Uh, all Mac season, you know, all Mac list is going to be at the end of the year. I'm going to do like the all mids, you know, the all mid-year players. Uh, right now I yeah. have him as like a first team all mid-year running back. Kind of hard to argue yeah. with when he's like leading a whole bunch of categories. Um, I got to check his fumbles though, because I've definitely seen at least two. And he's not... Just like watching him in real time, he's definitely not perfect. He's making a lot of big plays, which I love to see. And I love, you know, if I were, like, in charge of, like, creating a football team and, like, you know, got the draw up, you know, how big would my ideal players be? Like, Penny Boone is, like, fitting the bill in a lot of regards, right? But I, yeah, he's not I mean, he's not so good to where, like, I'm getting, like, Kareem Hunt level affection from him. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Or I don't know. So as far as like who's like my – I'm going to reframe it just to help 
uh, my own content, who's going to be my my mid year offensive player of the year. I'm thinking Brett Gabbert. I'm thinking Brett Gabbert. I'm thinking Daquan Finn. I don't. I don't have Penny Boone as, as top three though. I, I have to think about that a little bit more. I don't have him initially as a top three. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, Gage Larvadan. Duh. Got to include him. Yeah. Big, uh, big addition. Um, let me let me get that too. I'm um, looking at the statistics. Uh, it's really. It's still. It's not surprising, right? Like uh, Toledo is tops in the MAC in passing yards per game and rushing yards per game. They're balanced in both. Go figure. They've been doing that for over a decade. Uh, strong offense, strong and experienced offensive line, an experienced quarterback, good running back, good receivers. Nothing crazy there. Uh, I would say let's transition to the Miami thing. Miami is running the ball consistently. Uh, my big dig on them over the years is they don't have the feature back, but they're running the ball with a better uh, – they're, they're consistently running the ball better. I'll give them that. Uh, they're running for about 160 yards per game. They're throwing the ball for two, over 210 yards per game. And you were saying something about Gabbert. Gabbert's obviously come back and been really strong for them. And uh, uh, Lauderdain has been really solid, pretty consistent. They, they they tend to have one or one guy who's really good at a wideout spot, and this year it's him. So just how big has that combo been for Miami? And do you think do you think that's the biggest reason why they're playing the way they're th- they're playing, or is it something else? I mean, it's Larvinan, it's Joe Wilkins, the transfer from Notre Dame. It's um, Cade McDonald, I think that's his first name. Cade McDonald from uh, Michigan State. And then Miles Marshall, who's like a holder, you know, who's been on the roster for a little bit. Miami's transfer transfer portaled its way way to success on offense. They did it. They did it. They did it. And they did it with something that you and I were talking about um, before we started recording this. A little bit of the lost art of sticking with the straight and narrow and being in the system as a quarterback for a number of years. Brett Gabbert, this is year number four, and he is just, he's, you know, kicking butt right now. Um, you don't, he was in the transfer portal for a little bit, could have gone out, but he's obviously back in Miami right now for another year. Doing well. He's definitely the kind of guy that I thought could have bounced out and actually like done well at like a Big Ten program or something like that. Maybe if Iowa wanted to get serious, they could have ponied up for him. Who knows? But having that model of like consistency and like knowing how to run the offense with the mix of all this added juice over the offseason at wide receiver, like a position, like you you want to talk about how uh, Rashad Amos, uh, the feature back for Miami, a guy like that was missed from this team. And I definitely agreed with you because you and I talked about this before. Yeah. That's part of it, but like, man, it's it's they they just got all this juice at once through the transfer portal. I don't know how else to say it. They they just got all this added juice through the transfer portal, and it's just paying off for them. And uh, you know, year ten of this coaching staff, like they know what the heck they're doing for defense. So I don't know, man. It's 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 a well oiled machine, man. It is a well well oiled machine. And Miami was like a destination where like I thought was going to be like hard to get recruits into with the transfer portal, but prove me wrong. I mean, obviously they did a good job this off season and, um, sure, sure. Yeah. So, but they've, they've got, I mean, Gabbert's been there for a hot minute. 
it's it's you've got to re-recruit your players and Gabbert showed that too and who knows maybe he just didn't have prospects he likes outside of the conference or outside of the school but you know you got him back and they've got pieces that are sticking around on the defensive side of the ball like Matt Salopet comes to mind he's a multi-year starter now uh looking at yeah he he freaking um was over 100 tackles each of the last two years. What I didn't realize before just looking at this now was that he's from Kent. Yeah. Um, whoops. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It always strikes me as really like, oh, man, when that happens, <laughs> you're like, uh, how'd you miss, bro? Um, Ryan Ugu has been big on the defensive line for them. He had two tackles for loss this past week. Um, he's a multi-year starter for them. Austin Erdogan. Um, Right, and then Caden Caden Woolard as well, another guy from Ohio, multiple tackles for loss, multi-year starter for Miami. So Miami's got this is more and more. Again, let me add that caveat. God, it pains me for this to be happening for Miami. Uh, that said, to me, this feels more and more like this is a Miami year. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Like I, right now they're they're my favorites, like full stop. Yeah, I expect them to beat agree. Toledo this weekend, agree. and I expect them to beat Toledo again in, De- in, uh, in December. That's where I'm at right now, mentally. Yeah. So, it sucks to say, hurts my soul. Totally right. And it's funny because I feel like every time I really shit-talk a coach and what they do and their system and all that nonsense, I feel like I'm always wrong. Eastern you sucks, why. man, right? Like, Eastern's just so bad. <laughs> they can't turn it around, can they? Let me tell you about Chris Craig and that guy. That guy couldn't coach. He couldn't coach Jesus in a in a church choir. Wow. <laughs> um, that said, uh, I think it's actually been a kind of a. I wish Justin was here for this. It's been kind of a pleasant surprise how Western's been able to play and compete. I think he sold me on Western's going to have no shot in these games. Like, don't take them seriously. They're going to be bad, but maybe they can play up to some opponents or whatever. I think what they've been doing the last couple of weeks has been fine. They hung 31 on Toledo. Maybe you don't, you can't, you, you're thinking we shouldn't be in a shootout with Toledo, but at the same time, what does it matter? You're in year one of a rebuild. Basically uh, they hung 40 on ball state. Ball state's bad, but you still put 40 on a conference foe. They hung, they played decently with Mississippi state. And honestly, they played fine against Miami. It wasn't great, but it's fine. I think they're I think they're well past they're exceeding expectations in pretty much every capacity this early on. Oh sorry. I keep coughing. No, you're you're Alex. Coffin's not here. That's fair. That's fair. I just yeah, I really appreciate just like where Miami's right now. Um I loved the game that they had against Western Michigan. I loved Western's Michigan's Western Michigan's game against Miami. Uh just to kind of like transition to how the Broncos are doing under first year coach Lance Taylor. Um, it's got them to a two and five start. Hate that on paper on film. And you want to talk about conversations you wish Justin was here for these Broncos, man. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it right now. You ready for this, Caleb? Write this down. You have, you have pen and paper in front of you. Okay. I want you to save this piece of paper, put it in your wallet. You're going to write something down. You're going to put it in your wallet and you're going to keep it in there for the next at least 10 months. At least. Take it to Vegas. Okay. Western Michigan is my pick to win the MAC in 2024. 
No fucking shit. I'm very serious about that. I'm very serious. You can say that we did it on episode uh, whatever this is, 87, I think. Well, there's low low risk, high reward. Uh, are you that high on Hayden Wolf, or what's the deal? Dude, I like Hayden Wolf. I like the way he's playing the quarterbacks, and he's getting them ready for long-term success and not trying to figure out who QB1 is by week five. Okay. I like the way that he's playing this long game. I like that. I like the way that they are playing. Not that like I like. Oh, that's really cool design wise or anything like that. I like that they are running full speed, organized, communicating well. They're not at to this point getting argumentative with each other on the field, saying like, "No, you need to be here. No, you need to be do, need to be here." Hey, man, why weren't you there when we had a broken play? Hey, what you screwed up, man. Like there isn't a lot of that out of Western Michigan right now. They're playing good football. They're not winning a lot of games. They're not doing that yet. But they're playing very good football for a first-time head coach. And, like, we've seen a lot of first-time head coaches get opportunities in this league, and they don't always look like this. Um, Mm -hmm. Western Michigan administratively has proven that they know how to find, you know, first-time college head coaches and, you know, let them have some success at Western Michigan. Um, not looking so pretty record-wise, like I said, this year for Western. But if you're watching the film and if you love actually watching the football, give Western Michigan a shot and like actually take like pay attention to like how these guys are playing. Um, and you know, I'm gonna bring it to a player that you said specifically, Hayden Wolf. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah, I am into him. He plays well. He throws well. He throws. In a lot of different ways, like I said last episode, best change up in the game. Yeah, Hayden Wolf kicks ass, man. He is he's super super good. So, yeah, I I, I don't know, man. Western Michigan is definitely in good hands with Lance, Lance Taylor right now. Yeah, I know it's so. I know it is easy to look at the stats and say who's been successful, and. Wow, look at how exciting they are. But as somebody who, you know, is from Chicago, lives in Chicago, covers, participates in Chicagoland football, Jalen Buckley has been kind of like a big part of what, obviously a big part, he's the feature back, but in multiple facets of the game, in the the past game and the running game, he's from Batavia, um, or he played at Batavia, he's from Aurora. And so he's a name that I was at least familiar with in conversation we've had before. Western Michigan recruits the Chicagoland very well. And they get athletes and they get linemen out of Chicagoland. They do a very good job of it. And they continue or they're continuing to do a good job of it. Uh, Buckley, I didn't even realize, is already over 600 rushing yards on the year. And in the last game was also targeted like a, like five or six times. I believe he had four receptions. They're including him in multiple aspects of the game. If they're recruiting guys like this, they've got a system where they trust the quarterbacks. Things are organized. Guys know when they're going to get the football. There's going to be less, like you're saying, there's going to be less chitter-chatter, worrying about where's mine, where's mine, where'd you screwed up, that type of stuff. So I think things will continue to trend in the right direction for them. I don't think they're in a place where they can win a MAC title after a year after of this. But I uh, do think that if you're looking at trending, again, buy the stonks. Take them stonks for Western. 
Let me reread their schedule. I, I need to remember what kind of hand they were dealt this year. Uh, beat their FCS opponent, lost at Syracuse, lost at Iowa, lost at Toledo, beat Ball State convincingly, lost at Mississippi State. Um, score was bad, but I, anybody that watched that game was, you know, they liked the way that Western played. Uh, and then obviously played like the Miami, who we assume is going to be the MAC champs of uh, 2023. Speaking of assuming who's going to be the champs of 2023, do we want to like finally talk about Ohio's loss to NIU? Uh, okay. Uh, um, I circled that date on the calendar and figured I would like to go to that game. I'm happy I didn't. Uh, sit out and kind of like, eh, weather to watch my Bobcats look like shit. The, I can't say I understand why they're worse this year. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a reasonable, logical answer. I think if I'm spitballing, I think it's just like they're not catching anybody by surprise this year. Teams know what they are about and like what they'd like to do offensively. So maybe they're a bit more predictable. Maybe just work being hurt did not give him the offseason preparation for them to be as sharp as they wanted to be because Wiggles is not having as good of a season. Um, but they've got good receivers. Miles Cross is obviously a dude, and uh, they've got a great tandem in Allison and Bangura, and they've got a solid offensive line. The defense is one of the best fucking defenses in the country in terms of just statistically what they do. Um, if you put them up against, I don't know, Ohio State, like they're not going to do whatever, but uh, just based on the teams they play, they're a very good defense. And Key Thompson and Bryce Houston are one of the best defensive tandems in the in the, in the conference, period. Yeah. There might not be a better two defensive players on any team in the MAC than Bryce Houston and Key Thompson, but and the defense is doing its job. So it's really weird that Rourke and company are not doing the job and that in big moments, they didn't get it done last week. So not writing them off. They're at one loss. They can still beat Miami, whatever. Uh, but Miami's the team that looks like it's going to go, what is going to go to Detroit and win. Ohio does not look like that team right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, because I think you and I, and I'm sure many people that have wondered like, what's up with Ohio? Like, I think I am. I vibe with you on like maybe the jig is up. Like, team's got you figured out. But when you have that many just like returning players and whatnot, there is also that added like, okay, but if you're that talented, then just go be that talented again. Like you're gonna break through at least like a couple times at this point yes. in the year. You know. Yes. If they this will not is like play. a first, they probably won't play that bad again. If it's if we're having this conversation week three, it's like, oh, well, you know, great game plan to start the year, maybe an injury or two to kind of like throw into the mix. But by now it's like, OK, you're still Curtis Rourke. You're still Sam Wiggles. You're still Miles Cross. You're still, you know, Sid Bangura. You're still most of, if not all, I think it's all of like the offensive line from last year. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um. um it's weird. They uh, Ohio really did not have any big plays in that game, and um, that's not the Ohio I've seen for the last two years. So they haven't had many explosives this year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but oh my god, they're just like the Bengals. What the fuck is my team's doing to me? <laughs> the defense getting the job done, and the offense ain't doing shit, and they're getting no big plays. If Ohio's offense doesn't like come to be and like Ohio's offense just like doesn't 
come through enough in its most important games the rest of the year, you know, really just like the Miami game, right? Like that's probably like at the number one at this point. Um, can all of the haters of Ball State's try at a repeat year of 2021 uh, take back all the mean things that they said about illegitimizing Ball State's 2020 MAC championship run? Because remember, anybody, that's a team that returned like 20 starters. It's That's still unreal. Like, it's just, we had several consecutive years of MAC teams just really having every all of the cards fall in their favor. Um, obviously, NIU's title year of them just winning every close game and then the COVID season of Ball State's all their shit coming together. Um, both years, you could probably argue they weren't the best team. Right now, we're looking at a Toledo and a Miami that are very overwhelmingly looking like the best teams. Oh, they're at, um, they're at least the best offenses. And like Toledo, and like yeah, yeah, they're the best teams. They're the best teams, top to bottom. They're the best teams overall. Um, my Ohio might have, if you looked at who has the best offense, who has the best defense, who um, has the best unit side of the ball. You could make a very good argument. Ohio has the best unit, and it's their defense in the conference. It's weird that the offense isn't pulling their end of the bargain right now, but that can very easily change. Uh, Ohio plays uh, Western. Um, they, the offense should not have trouble getting on track there. Um, they play Miami. We'll see. That'll be interesting. It is at home. It's at Peden. And then they go Buffalo central and Akron. They should not lose more than one of those games, but they could like, it's, it's not unreasonable. They could lose to Buffalo. They could lose to central. They could lose to Western. Um, the central one is like the least unlikely, um, especially for as strong as Ohio's defense is. Like, I, I don't see a way Central's offense is good enough to, like, score more than two touchdowns in that one. But, yeah, they could yeah. definitely lose to Western. And Buffalo, yeah. maybe. Like, I don't know, man. I don't love the way Buffalo's been playing, but I, I'm i open it to is be surprised. At Buffalo. I'm open to be surprised. It is at Buffalo. I've um, done this long enough. <laughs> I, I know yeah. better. So, I mean, looking – at Ohio's offense, it's so up and down, man. Like, obviously, the start of the years they didn't have Rourke, but San Diego State didn't have Rourke, thirteen points. Uh, Long Island, Long Island is what it is. Uh, FAU, seventeen points. That was Rourke's first game back. Well, Iowa State, well, they won. He, he was in for a half for San Diego State. Was it a, or was it a half or was it was it early? I don't remember. No, Harris was playing. CJ Harris was playing. Rourke, Rourke played though. He got he. He got hurt during the game. Oh, he played for like two drives. You sound like you're doubting me because there's silence. No, I, no, I was just letting you go. <laughs> now I'm looking up the box score. Uh, yeah, Rourke threw 10 passes that day. Yeah. Um, I remember that vividly because San Diego State was playing a fifth string quarterback. Um, Doesn't matter. It's a low, low, low point total anyways. They scored 38 against BG and 42. They looked like a well-oiled machine offensively against those teams. Then you come into Northern, and Northern, this almost follows a schedule of what used to happen with Northern, and it happened again where they just don't look good against Northern Illinois. And it's like, okay, well, moving on. They got Western. That should actually be a fun game. We'll see. Um, I have no over. 
overarching opinions of like things aren't going to go crazy bad. I think there. I think things. Let me just wrap it up with this. I think things have gone as bad as they're going to get for Ohio. I don't think they're going to be worse than that. And losing by ten points on the road to an, a, a decent team is not awful. It just it sometimes happens in the midst of a season in conference play. Oh well. So. Yeah, but you don't you don't throw three interceptions in the fourth quarter though. You know I mean, and like NIU, I'll get. I, I wanted to give NIU the flowers where it's due. Kicked ass on defense. My God, those guys kicked ass. Thomas Hammock, I want to give him his flowers too. And like, this is like a, this is a canon thing with him, right? Like, he just has a plan. It might not always be the best ideas, but man, if that guy just doesn't have cards that he's excited to throw out on the table and run some really, really creative stuff for that offense. I, I love the way NIU's playing when it's just, like, ready to go. I love, love, love when NIU's ready to show up. Uh, hopefully they're not ready to show up this Saturday because Eastern's going to DeKalb. One thing I want to say about Ohio really quickly to talk about the defense, something I like to look at is a tackle for loss percentage. Take the number of plays they faced, how many tackles for loss you've had, tackle yeah. for loss percentage. Ohio, fourth nationally. Fourth nationally in creating tackles for loss, 13 point, uh, rounded to 5% of the time. Okay. One of my favorite parts about NIU, like the team that they are under Hammock, and this is more true of Hammock than the previous coaches they have. How do, this is, this is a, I promise it's not a backhanded compliment. This is a compliment. Some dude just makes plays. Um, not necessarily the star, not necessarily always the guy, you know, some guy makes plays for NIU, the guy who walked on and didn't get a scholarship till his junior year, the guy who was the fourth string running back, the guy who was the fifth string tight end, the guy who was the backup special teams player. Dudes are ready to go make plays. And that's a good cultural thing, even if they don't necessarily sustain the type of success that they're used to. It's weird because I both I, I was I was talking I not talking to I I I I saw Nick Burzich talking on Twitter about NIU as he does, and I remember being like, "This the hammock years have been so weird and bizarre, and like the actual results we see playing on the field, but culturally." I like a lot of what they do, cult, like the just the culture around the football program. And they're huge on the culture. And the players don't always have what it takes to win games. And sometimes I think the coaching staff has a game plan that isn't working out. Systematically, I think it fails sometimes, but just the culture that surrounds it is like the equal is like the equalizer. The culture was what won them that MAC championship. But relying on the culture and not having the dudes and not having the plan is what has led to the issues they've experienced the last couple of years. A couple of weeks ago, I was on here basically saying, ah, Hammock might not be back. And maybe he won't. Maybe th- things will go downhill for Northern. But the culture's good, man. Like, they, their guys are bought in. They just, it's weird. I, it's, 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 it's weird. I, I, I feel like Northern Illinois is the, is the weirdest team in the MAC year in year out now at least since hammock start became the coach 
Yeah, I mean, like, he could always be out tomorrow, but, like, he needs to stay in the MAC for as long as possible because he's got another fullback, and he trusts him. How many teams can you say that about? This team has a fullback, and they trust him in important spots. Third and one, fourth and one. Give it to the fullback. They do that. Um, I, I, I will say that as a football coach myself, uh, I love nothing more than a brute of a fullback who you can give the ball to to get four yards. Um, the only thing I love better is a quarterback who can also run for four yards and then also can throw it. But um, it's way too slept on to have to have a fullback that you can give the ball to and can be the best blocker, one of the best blockers you have. Worked out in 21. Yeah, uh, what, I, what I'll say, like, in agreement for, like, the culture thing. Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's the job of the Mac, right? Like, that's the job. Like, you have to take on guys that, you know, generally walk on quality. And, like, in some cases, you didn't recruit them out of high school either. You had the chance. You didn't do it either. You know, like, and every school has to have their way of doing it. And I use way of doing it is good. And, like, that was always, you know, what when we you and I were in college, what was the theme? The hard way. They're not preaching yeah. it like that anymore. They're just asking, hey, you got the juice, right? So it's a different way of doing it, but it's still the same old thing. Um, they they yeah. are still doing it. They are. No, it's not let's not kid ourselves. They're still doing it. Like I'm looking, like, do you wanna do you wanna get into the to the next week's games? Uh yeah, sure. Okay. Toledo, um, Toledo Miami, ooh, Eastern NIU, ooh, Western Ohio, ooh, and the other ones that we didn't talk about at all for good reason. Uh Akron's at Bowling Green, Central's at Ball State. And Buffalo is at Kent State. Thankfully, it's that way, not the other way around. What's what game outside of Toledo, Miami? What game is the most appealing to you? Ohio Western. Okay. Easily, I could definitely see Western winning that one. Pending like defensive victories by Ohio, but I mean Western. You know, you think they're getting scored on, but like Western's been playing really good defense too, man. Western's been kicking ass too. I don't see why they can't put up a fight in that one um, for as good as they've been. That intrigues me. Uh, man, Eastern NIU, that, that just scares me at this point. NIU's playing really, really good. And NIU's a better team. Yeah. I mean, we're only two weeks removed from Ontario Brown running for 280 yards. That was insane. <laughs> insane. <laughs> I still can't get over that. 21 and a half yards per carry. Like, I still can't get over that. I've only seen a highlight with, like, four of those runs. I need to go back. I, I wish I had, like, the all 22 cut up of that game just to watch back over and over. Because, look, dude, as a former running back myself, nothing. I love nothing more than, like, look at a stat column and see that the running back ran for, like, anywhere from, like, 8 to 9, 10, 11, 12. And, obviously, Brown ran for more uh, yards per carry, so... Uh, Buffalo can stay. I'm not. Yeah, I, I can't feed that anything. I can't feed that anyways. No. Agreed. Um, the other one that I don't know if I could feed any noise is Akron Bowling Green. I can talk myself into like peeking into Central Ball State, um, but only under certain conditions. I'm going to be honest. I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I I could see myself being interested in Akron Bowling Green and not interested in Ball State Central. Why? Why is that? Um, sorry. Yeah, I was waiting for it. <laughs> the main reason being just, I want to know if like, does Akron have a goddamn identity or not? Like, can they not throw the ball without 
irons like are, are we going to see any progress from them at this point i mean we were all very excited about um the coaching changes over the last couple of years but mm-hmm. um i know it's 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 a lot easier said than done with akron but i think we were all expecting them to be along uh, further along the path already uh i think we bought into the hype harder than it made any sense to be buying into the hype so they're really fighting an uphill battle and BG is so up and down. It's not that I would expect a good game. It's just I might expect this game to be super fucking weird. Whereas I could see Central Michigan Ball State being a fucking shit show and not entertaining. I think the potential for Akron Bowling Green to get all right, let's get let's get super Mac level weird is a lot higher. I reconsider my position. I think I totally agree with you now. I think that makes way more sense than what I was doing. I like that. No, you know what? Mac level weird is actually what we should be striving for. It is October after all. Spooky season's right around the corner, if not now. Let's just get started with Akron Bowling Green. Let's just do it. Let's just do the whole fucking thing. It's 2 o'clock. Do it live right now. Miami and Toledo doesn't start till 4. You got a couple hours to kill. That noon block's not doing anything great for you. All right, what bar can I watch Miami Toledo in? It's ESPN Plus, so no. Damn. You can watch it off your phone. Which YouTube stream? <laughs> Ugh, um, that could be fun, obviously. Um, I, I know, obviously, we're looking at it as uh, the the best game of the day, and it should be. It should be the most uh, important game of the season so far for the Mac. And I got to say, I... I do expect Miami to win that game. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm with you, but like, I don't know, man. Toledo's defense is going to like, they're going to make it interesting. That's for sure. Um, and I wonder, I wonder like how much a Penny Boone we're going to like really get, you know, like what, what kind of day is he going to get? He's definitely the type of day where to bring it back to your first conversation, you know, is he one of the top handful of players in this league? If you're if you can make it through that Red Hawk brick wall, I'll say yeah. But if you only me, end up with like you know eighteen carries, sixty eight yards, it's just okay. Yeah, then um, you, you are your production. Let me let me get to a point. Uh, I I like to I actually think it's kind of fun to eat my crow. One thing that I've learned as a coach is to never is to try not to be as stubborn as is as you might want to be and to like just own up to when you make mistakes and learn from it. So let me add into that from let me segue. I haven't been on here since before my birthday. My birthday was September 16th. That was the weekend when Miami played Cincinnati. So it's been a hot minute, right? It's been over a month. And when we podcasted about this game I went on and on liber- very liberally about how Miami could not, not wouldn't, could not beat Cincinnati. Mm. And I will say, I swear to God. That's like your wrongest coaching- take. Huh? That's like your wrongest take. <laughs> I know. Like, it was just like, like historically, you're like, it's like you're the easiest one to make. But it's also the wrongest one you had this year. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. So, but no, but let me get to this. It's the more I get involved in coaching, the more I get in um, working with younger adults, 
the more I am willing to, and I think it's necessary to admit when you were wrong. And I'm actually very excited to talk about how wrong I was about this game. And I know we're a month removed from it. Miami fans are like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Like, we're fucking winning. No, they we're care. To go they win. care. We're trying to win a Mac title, baby. Um, I went on and on about how Miami couldn't win that game while not exploring how Cincinnati's culture might be going in a different direction. They're in their whole dynamic with the Big 12 now, and things are going in a direction that aren't that isn't super pretty. Things are very good for Miami, and I didn't expect the transfer portal stuff that we've talked about already. Because of that, Miami's got things going in a really great direction. Um, it's a very exciting team to follow, even as somebody who doesn't like them, doesn't want them to have success. But if it meant the conference's profile raising and people caring more about the MAC, then I would be more excited for that. I would say, okay, Miami, if Ohio's not going to win it, okay. I hope you guys have the type of success that draws people's eyes to the conference. Um, so I am very excited for the game this week. It was very wrong to say Miami could not be in that position because I've made assumptions about Miami that were faulty and BS. So even a month ago, I'm just like looking back at that. I'm like, wow, look what Miami's at right now. I'm going to make my best effort to find a way to tune into that game. I have not watched a full Miami game yet this year, but now I really want to see it. I don't know if it's going to happen yet, but at the very least, I know if there's any game I've wanted to see this year, I want to see Miami Toledo more than I've wanted to see an Ohio game so far. And boom goes the dynamite.